Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, Mindful Leader, and welcome to Episode 30 of the Still Space Podcast, Regret and Forgiveness. Regret and forgiveness go hand in hand. Regret is the sadness and disappointment we feel after something has happened that we think we could have managed differently for a better outcome. Regret can be enlightening. We can learn from mistakes. Regret, however, can become debilitating when we obsess over our role in the situation with guilt and sorrow and the killer of all killers, shame. We seek to atone, but it isn't possible, making us even more restless and unhappy. Forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness or not. I know a lot about this because I've spent a lot of time in the would've, should've, could've trap. It is indeed a dead end full of anger, self-loathing, denial, exhaustion, resentment, unrest, and unhappiness that goes nowhere but in a circle gaining speed and intensity around every bend. You might be seeking to alter the course of history, which is impossible. You might be seeking acceptance from someone who won't give it to you. It seems impossible. You might be seeking a do-over that cannot be redone. The point is you are seeking. Anytime we seek, we are unhappy. It's another treadmill to nowhere. When I was a young mother, a single mother, on welfare, food stamps, and medical assistance, trying to do the best that I could to hold my family together, of course there were ways I let my family down. I, for a very long time, was not present emotionally because I had filed for divorce from a very difficult, abusive marriage, and I wasn't emotionally prepared for the avalanche that befell me. And as I was trying to hold it all together, trying to be mom and dad, I just couldn't be what everybody needed all the time. I had a child with a developmental disability. I had four kids under seven years old. I was trying to be an executive leader in an organization that was 24 miles from my house. And it was hard. It was really, really, really hard. And so if I look back on that, the regret that I have is that I was too hard on myself. 
I was expecting myself to be better than I was and I beat myself up over it. I continually was thinking, oh, I'm not doing a good enough job here. My children are going to end up in children and youth services, which was absolute nonsense. But there are things still to this day that I regret and I've learned from them. I think when we regret and we drag it forward like a ball and chain of guilt and shame, it doesn't serve us. But when we can turn around, put our head in the lion's mouth and say, you know what? I wish I had been more emotionally present back then. I wish I had had the foresight and mindfulness back then to see that I had all the power I needed and everything that I needed in my strengths to keep this family together and keep things moving. But the incessant doubt that I had on myself, I regret because it was my interpretation of my life. It was me fast forwarding to a doom and gloom ending of how things would never work out and this would be terrible for my children. And it was just very difficult. It was also a contentious divorce. There was a lot of ill will and hatred being thrown back and forth. And I felt and own my part in that conflict. Court sets you up with a win-lose scenario. And every time you go to court, you're either going to win or you're going to lose. It's really an unattractive place to be. It doesn't bring out the best in anybody. And the only people that win are the lawyers because they're not really working for you. They're working for themselves. So the best thing that I learned throughout that process is to just remain true to who I am. While I regret how I let doubt and cynicism and anger consume me, I've learned from it how not to become or identify with any outcome of any situation, which includes if you've ever been hurt by anybody, laid off, lost a job, didn't get a promotion, didn't get hired. When we identify with an outcome, we can never move past that. But when we can identify with our values, our strengths, our character, those things are unwavering and those things will always be there. They don't vary with the situation. So this is how I learned from regret. But it took me a while because for a long time, I beat myself up about what I was not. And I had four children who went through being four teenagers at the same time who were continually reminding me of all the things that I was not. And we have to stand open and say, you know what? I can see how you feel that way. However, this is who I am in this moment. And it's good enough. I don't expect you to have walked a mile in my shoes and understand what it is that I'm doing in my thought processes. I'll tell you how I feel. I'll tell you how I think. But it may not be the outcome that you want. But you not liking that outcome is not what I'm going to identify with. I don't identify with your disappointment in me. That does not turn into, I'm disappointing. Your dislike of this outcome does not mean I don't like myself or that I'm not good enough as a mother, as a leader, as whatever in your life. Watch what we identify with and that's how we deal with regret. Regret calls for forgiveness, to heal and to move on. And I had to learn to heal by forgiving my ex-husband, by forgiving his family, by forgiving the court system, things that were out of my control. 
I forgave because it was the best thing for me. I didn't want to carry around hatred and anger anymore. I didn't want to slew around anymore anger and disappointment and hurt. A lot of that came my way. It wasn't worth it. Nobody wins. There are only losers in the hate game. Sometimes the forgiveness that I work on is for another person or a group of people who have done me harm. But sometimes forgiveness is for a situation that is out of your control. Almost always, in order to heal regret, you must forgive yourself first. Yourself. This is most essential. You would forgive a good friend who hurt you. This is a time to be a friend to yourself for not being perfect. You may have made a mistake. You may have missed an opportunity that cost you or somebody else dearly. You may not be forgiven by someone you care about, and that might hurt really badly, but you can forgive yourself. Sometimes when you forgive another person, you aren't necessarily doing it for them. You're doing it for you. Whether you are forgiving another person or yourself, you make a conscious commitment not to carry around the negative emotions that weigh you down. You let those damaging sentiments go because it's healthier for you. I had to work hard on forgiveness. There were a lot of things I held against my mother, my ex-husband, his family. I'd have never found love again if I hadn't done this or developed healthier relationships with everyone in my life and really close relationships with my children. It took a lot of soul searching on my part. It took a lot of humility to admit my part and my mistakes and how my thought processes continued to do me a disservice. We talk often on this podcast about how thoughts are followed by emotions and are followed by actions. We have to be very careful the thoughts we play over and over in our head and really watch the I am thoughts. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm such a bonehead at this. Oh, I'm so... All of those negative I am statements supplant themselves in your subconscious and continue to feed you little whispers of you're not good enough. You don't deserve that. Not healthy. Cut them out. It took a lot of humility on my part to admit my part in all of my mistakes, and it was the best exercise of my life. I've drawn on the process more and more and more than once to get through difficult situations. And here's a nine-step process that I think you'll find helpful to heal regret and move to forgiveness. Number one, reflect on the situation. Acknowledge your true feelings under the surface. Are you hurt, angry, feeling rejected, alone, judged? Honor those feelings because when you turn away from them, they're still going to bubble up. They're sitting right under the surface waiting for a trigger so that they can come out and get in your way and hamstring your executive presence, your intimacy, the closeness that you have in your relationships, your relatability to your team. Acknowledge and honor the true feeling And if there's anger, what's under the anger? Are you sad? Was there something that was unfair, unjust? Go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. Number three, 
What do you fear is the worst thing that will happen? Then what is true and what is an assumption in that thought? Because fear is a thought. It's energy. It is not an edict and it is not a fact. So what are you feeling? What is that fear? What is that worst thing that you're afraid will happen? And what part of that is true and what part is an assumption? Number four, own your part in the situation. In the scenarios that I was describing to you, I had to own my part that I was engaged in the war. And it was a battle and it was back and forth and I was losing because whoever doesn't have the money in a divorce is always going to lose. I was the dependent spouse, so lawyers didn't want to re- represent me because I didn't have the purse. It was hard. It was very difficult. Own your part in the situation. If I had just said, you know what? You want to battle over stuff? Take all the stuff take the stuff, I will start over and I will be fine. And that's exactly what ended up happening anyway, because I kept losing, losing, losing in court. I was homeless, no automobile, food stamps, welfare. I started over and I ended up far more successful than he was. But that was through the grace of being mindful being able to own my part in this war that we were having that wasn't hurting anybody but me and my children. It wasn't helping us at all, especially because I kept losing. So I had to own my part in how long it took me to see that this was not an arena where I could win. I was going to spend my time, my energy, and my resources where I could be fruitful spend that money on feeding my children, not paying lawyers who really didn't want to defend me because they knew that I couldn't be their longevity client, spending that money on developing my own self, joining organizations where I could create relationships, creating connections with other people, professional development that served me. Yes, I regret not learning this lesson earlier, But I'm grateful that I finally learned it and I moved on. Number five, put yourself in the other person's shoes. What are, were their feelings? Can you understand, not necessarily agree with their motivation? This was a tough one for me. When I was going through my divorce, I eventually was able to put myself in my ex-husband's shoes He had a difficult upbringing. Many people have had a difficult upbringing and don't financially abandon their children. But I had to understand where he was coming from. He was trapped. He was trapped in thoughts and feelings that left him powerless and without control. And he gained control by winning and getting over on me. And I understood that when I finally understood it. I could anticipate what would happen. I could anticipate how he would react and it left me better prepared and much more understanding of his desperate need to be able to control how he couldn't control the fact that I was leaving him, that I wasn't going to put up with what was going on any longer and that frustrated him. So in getting into a space where I could forgive him for way, the way he was behaving, 
I gained power by being able to better anticipate what he would do and have some compassion that hopefully someday he would see the cost that this had on him, on me, on the children, and be kind to himself. Because while he was being unkind to me, I am 100% certain that he was being unkind to himself too. Number six, what is this situation trying to teach you? And how does your ego get in the way? Ooh, this was a good one for me to learn. The situation taught me that when I get caught up in a win-lose situation, there are only going to be losers, as I said. And my part in it, my ego was definitely in the way. I was bruised from feeling rejected, turned away, not valued, not respected, not good enough. And my ego was screaming for, make some kind of stand, be heard, win something. And I got so mired down in trying to win in court where I, the, clearly the cards were stacked against me there. And then when I would lose, I would feel terrible. And you'd think I'd have learned. You can't win here, Mary Lee. I can see that much more clearly now. And I use that lesson in my leadership all the time. I do not play in arenas where I can't be good. I just had this discussion yesterday with some people who my husband is a very good golfer. We were talking at a, a meeting, a work meeting about, oh, do you golf? I said, no, I don't. And and somebody who knows me really well said, yeah, I bet that's not for you, is it? I said, no, because I am not going to spend five hours at something that I am not good at. Don't waste your time trying to develop your weaknesses. Go with your strengths where you'll be awesome. So what was the situation trying to teach me? It was trying to teach me to have discernment. And this is one of my signature strengths, and I wasn't using it when I was triggered into self-doubt. And that's where I I learned to self-regulate. That's where I was building my self-awareness, and I could see what I was doing in my own behavior, and I gained more control being able to put down the doubt and the cynicism. And at the end of my divorce, the truth is, no lawyer would represent me. I went to court and prepared and represented myself, and it was the only time I ever won. So play to your strengths, but you have to be able to set your ego aside, that screeching, sneaky part of you that is like nails on a chalkboard that wants to rise up and be noticed, be safe, play it safe, don't take risks. That voice inside of you is just a little child trying to be protected, trying to protect you from being hurt. Recognize the difference between what is your core and what is that ego who wants you to play safe. Number seven, what, if anything, do you want to say to the other person, that person that you regret something about or that you want to forgive? And I must tell you that those conversations are some of the most meaningful things that you can do, some of the most meaningful conversations you will ever have in your life. And I remember apologizing to my ex-husband for my role in our divorce, for my role in the demise of our marriage, for the anger that came from me, for the hatred that came from me. 
And I was 100% serious and honest about that. And it felt good to release that. And I think he wanted to too, but he wasn't there yet. And he couldn't do that. And I understand that now. I don't resent him for that. It's just we were both at different paths on our journey. If you've had long-term contention with somebody, it might be a relief to just agree to disagree. We don't need to be right. We just want to get it right. And sometimes it does re-cement our relationships with people to say, I know there's been discord between us, and I just want you to know that I love you. If it's a work relationship, that might not be appropriate, but you might want to say, I know that there's been discord between us. I want you to know that I respect you, I value you, and I want to continue to have an ongoing dialogue and alignment with you. What would that look like, and what could my role be in that to make that happen? And when you're extending yourself like that the other person has to think and hopefully they will come around the same way and offer you the same alignment number eight forgive yourself show yourself kindness Put your hand to your heart. What would you say to a friend in this situation? If you've been carrying around regret, if it isn't a situation where you can actually have a conversation with the person who you regret hurting or being involved with, if that time has passed, what would you say to a friend about this situation? Because chances are you're beating yourself up in a way that isn't serving you. So how can you heal that in yourself by forgiving yourself, by showing yourself a little kindness? Put that hand to your heart. Put both hands to your heart and say, may I be gentle with myself in this moment? What is it that I need? What triggers me? What do I want to be on the lookout for so that I can use my self-regulation mindfully look at the situation without judging myself, without judging others, and walk in tandem with my character, with who I am at my core, not who I am at my best, because I'm awesome just by being here. People aren't made to be bad or wrong. People are made to live, serve, and be happy. Connection is how we thrive. That's where we bond and rely on each other. That's how we've survived as a species. We know our tribe and we home into that. And if there is pain there, if there is suffering there, and we can control our role in any situation by first observing it from a third-party perspective, practicing that mindful still space perspective where you become a fly on the wall looking at yourself and saying to yourself in that crucial moment, before I lash out, before I withdraw, before I do something I regret, what is it that I need in this moment? This is where we fall down. So often we abandon ourselves. We can't even get to what we need because our ego is standing up in our face saying, you need this and you need this. And that's an assumption. It is not the truth. 
It's an assumption that our ego is telling us because it wants us to play it safe so we don't get hurt. But that isn't necessarily what we need. If your ego is telling you, oh, don't say that, that person might hurt your feelings, what you need is to be warm and kind to yourself so that you can tell that person that they hurt you without needing them to make it right with you to feel better about yourself. But I do need to tell you what you did because this is how I grow as a person and don't let this happen to me again. I want you to know how I feel about your behavior. And this happens in the workplace. When people are taking advantage of you, it's perfectly okay to say, you know, I keep getting more work to do and I see that Nancy doesn't and I'm wondering why it's always coming my way. I would like it to be a little bit more equitable. I'm wondering if we could share some of this or why John is getting the opportunities and none of them seem to come my way. I'm wondering if once in a while I could have the opportunity to insert whatever it is. We must be advocates for ourselves But we can only do that when we can forgive ourselves for not being perfect and get rid of the assumptions of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not capable enough, cute enough, thin enough, experienced enough, whatever the enough is. Forgive yourself first so that you can stand with your vulnerability and don't expect perfectionism of yourself. And number nine, decide where you want to go from here. I made a very clear decision in my career that I wanted to be in leadership roles where I had a lot of autonomy and could create and strategize and execute. I'm a strategic executor and I want to be able to do things that other people don't think will happen. And that is exactly what I'm known for in my career in hospital fundraising and in hospital foundation work is that I create projects, go out and find the funding for them, and people are sitting back waiting for me to fail until it finally looks like it's going to succeed. And now people are saying, oh, anything she touches, she's going to make work. So we have better either get behind it or decide what else we're going to do. And this is how I build momentum and, and make things happen. I don't quit. I don't go away, but I will fail early if something isn't going to work out. I don't hang on to it and just hope it's going to get better because I said I would do it. No, I discern between what is a truth and what is an assumption and an assumption that something is going to work out that has no evidence that it will is a waste of time. So when I had to look at where do I want to go from here, I knew what I wanted to do in my career and I decided what I wanted to do as a parent in my relationship with my children too. I had to forgive myself for everything that they thought they wanted me to be that I wasn't. And I had to let them have that. You're right. I wasn't X because I reminded myself of everything that I was and it was awesome. Being able to carry this family through a tumultuous divorce, through being on public assistance, and then having the freedom of an executive level position and a house and an automobile and two dogs and a cat, and be able to live a real life 
That was triumphant. I may have not been perfect, but I was pretty darn awesome. (laughs) So when it comes to regret and forgiveness, the most important thing I can share with you is that it starts with you. Eradicating your regret starts with forgiving yourself. You're doing the best you can. If you can look yourself in the eye and say, you're doing the best you can, that gives you a buy, hand to heart. May I be gentle with myself. Perfectionism is not the goal. I'm awesome, and I'm going to keep going and keep growing and keep learning and keep being mindful so that I can show up best for myself and in turn best for others. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to Mary Lee Gannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, MaryLeeGannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.